Hello and welcome to the Medjly's Podcast, Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Paneer, host of the Medjly's and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. Problems with religious freedoms in Kazakhstan persist. The Kazakh government keeps a close eye on the activities of religious communities in the country, including what people are posting about religion on the internet. So-called non-traditional religious groups that are not part of the state-sanctioned versions of Islam or Russian Orthodox teachings receive special scrutiny. Nuri Turkel, chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedoms, visited Kazakhstan in May to review the situation with religious freedom there and found, quote, institutional issues in Kazakhstan remain unaddressed, unquote. What are these institutional issues and what did Turkel's delegation find out about the situation with religious freedom in Kazakhstan? To discuss all this, I am joined by Nuri Turkel, chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Affairs and also a lawyer specializing in anti-corruption and anti-bribery enforcement and a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and author of the recently released book, No Escape, The True Story of China's Genocide of the Uyghurs, and Felix Corley editor at Forum 18, a religious freedom organization based in Oslo, Norway, that has for many years been one of the leading sources of information on violations of religious freedoms in countries around the world, including Central Asia. Thank you both for joining me. Uh, And Nuri, if I could start with you, could you tell me a little bit about your recent visit to Kazakhstan and what the situation with religious freedoms in the country is? Thank you very much uh, for uh, having me on on the program uh, since 2013, US, uh, USERF, our agency, has recommended Kazakhstan for the inclusion of State Department's uh, special watch list for uh, engaging in a severe violation of religious freedom. Uh, last year, um, as we had in the past uh, years or previous years, recommended uh, Kazakhstan to be uh, designated as SWL for continued to employ restrictive uh, religious law to regulate religious groups, particularly those considered untraditional, and to uphold a state-sanctioned form of Islam that prohibits any differing interpretations. And uh, during the the recent trip, I had first-hand experience and uh, and verification uh, through my communications with the um, civil society representatives, uh, religious communities. You know, as in a government agency, we're very, very grateful uh, for the Kazakh government's willingness to engage. Uh, but that engagement has not been always substantive. Uh, we have been, I personally been meeting with senior Kazakh officials, uh, both in, Ka- in Washington and now in Kazakhstan recently. Uh, this, this is all the way up to the uh, special representative to the, um, uh, to the international organization so the, 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 the willingness, their willingness is, is greatly appreciated, but the meaningful reform, that has not been seen. So, so that includes um, decreasing administrative penalties for religion-related offenses with no timeline for that proposed change. We haven't told or heard anything. A government, for example, through my engagements, uh, uh, raises positive developments for social, cultural, and religious inclusion uh, in order to deflect from a religious freedom concerns. Um, meeting with civil society representatives confirmed that there are a lot of uh, a room, significant room for informant and re- uh, inf- improvement and reform in the uh, religious freedom landscape. I personally uh, heard and, uh, and had a sense 
that uh, all religious groups face restriction on their religious practices uh, or activities. Uh, the religious uh, re registration requirement is still there. Uh, restriction on religious literature is still in practice. Specific limitation uh, to Islamic practice is still uh, being enforced. For example, the administrative code uh, penalized violation of religious law and, and the other religious groups have received administrative fines. The Muslims make up the majority of those who are targeted for such punishment. Uh, we can talk about a little bit more uh, the persecution of going after, restricting, uh, punishing those adhere to um, a more conservative religious practices specific than the Sunni Muslim community have been targeted uh, in par or in a similar fashion that the Russians have done, that the Chinese have done under the auspices of Shanghai Cooperation Organization. The extremism, terrorism is still a very uh, politically convenient term for those governments, including Kazakhstan, to use. Uh, I personally made a number of recommendations, um, ex ex including to ask the Kazakh government to quantify what really extremism or terrorism means. The um, authorities often use the charges of extremism and terrorism under the Article 256-2 of the Criminal Court to imprison Muslims for the peaceful religious activities. And also they use something very, very troubling, uh, expert reviews to designate religious materials in their possession as extremists to use as an evidence against them. Um, and also we have seen the, um, the attack on uh, social media freedom. There are at least uh, 10 known religious prisoners of conscience who are imprisoned for their uh, online religious activities. Uh, five of them have participated in what's, uh, what's called a, a WhatsApp discussion on Islam. Prison sentences seemingly arbitrary, as many of the activities of those who are imprisoned match the activities of those who simply received administrative fines. Um, and also there is a hijab and headscarf uh, restriction on school rules. Uh, outside of the capital, schools have largely prohibited students from wearing a hijab, headscarf, to class, impacting many girls' girls' inability to um, impacting the girls' ability to obtain uh, education, just like anyone else. Uh, but this is an area we have uh, encountered some optimism that the government may soon change its position, allowing girls to attend classes with religious head coverings. This is something that we see mildness, uh, a, 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 glimmer, a glimmer of hope uh, that it may see some positive change. And then we are very troubled and, and concerned that uh, Kazakh government's treatment of the Uyghurs and Kazakhs, specifically from China. The Chinese still play a very influential role in Chinese policymakers' mindset and thinking as to how these individuals' vulnerable communities should be treated. Um, I also heard from the uh, Kazakh and Uyghur expats that they were extremely um, offended uh, that the Kazakh government, given this highest state honor to Xi Jinping, that are committing a genocide, uh, that, that, his that his administration is committing genocide uh, as we speak. And this genocide has its in seventh year so there are a lot of things, uh, including uh, domestic, uh, geopolitical, 
religious in the religious space have been brought to our attention. And also, um, more importantly, I I have seen uh, on a positive side a support of uh, a cultural aspect of the Uyghur ex- Uyghur communities. I've I've uh, I've been told by both Kazakh officials and the the Uyghur community representatives that there are a significant number of language schools provided or funded by the government for the uh, the Uyghurs, uh, the Kazakhs of Uyghur origin to be able to maintain their religion. At the same time, the Kazakh government is not allowing uh, the Uyghur language to be used in sermons in the uh, majority Uyghur mosques that we have raised with authorities. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, Felix, uh, I want to get a little more into some of the, the process, the, the processes, legal processes against some of these people uh, out there. I mean, you, for instance, you, Forum 18 had written about uh, Muslim Anatoly uh, Zernichenko. Uh, it, it was, uh, he was jailed for seven years uh, for posting online. Um, but, you know, what's really is, as disturbing as that is, it's disturbing that your, your organization tried to get some answers from local officials about why this was happening. Uh, and, and they they seem to not want to talk about any of the evidence. Uh, they just v- vaguely said that it promoted terrorism. Can you talk a little bit about some, not specifically Zernichenko's case, uh, but but ge- you know, more generally about the, how the, how Muslim groups are targeted and what some of the legal charges are against them and and uh, what the court process is against them. I mean, is it, is it anything like a free and open trial? Uh, no, you don't have free and open trials in an authoritarian state where the state controls everything and intends to control everything. Um, first of all, uh, many of the Nuri's outline many of the restrictions very well, and these most of them apply across the board to all faiths. But there are specific restrictions which hit the Muslim community deliberately, and first of all. The main one is the is what flows from the registration requirements. So Kazakhstan, it's a huge country, large population. It has only registered one Muslim community, and it is only going to register one Muslim community. That's the Muslim board. Every Muslim, other Muslim entity, has to be a part of it. This is not in the law. But it has the effect of allowing only Hanafi Sunni Islam to exist. And even then, it has to be in the form the state allows, which means that Shia Muslims, Ahmadi Muslims, the whole range of other independent Muslim people who just don't want to be part of the Muslim board because they don't like what they perceive as its corruption, they cannot legally exist. And um, Nuri has already mentioned the ban on uh, sermons in Uyghur. Well, you you are not allowed to have a Muslim community which has any kind of ethnic designation in its name or in its practice. So they've closed down or they've integrated into the Muslim board. There was an independent Tatar Bashkir mosque up in uh, Petropavl. Um, Chechen mosques, Azeri, Shia communities, you know, all, you know, anyone Chechen, anyone Dungan, anyone who wants to be able to practice their faith using their native language is going to face restrictions. There's a special part of Article 490 of the Administrative Code which targets Muslims who pray in mosques in defiance of the rules laid down by the Muslim boards. And so they're fined for 
using the word amen aloud during prayers, which the state is obviously scared stiff of this because they reckon it's affiliated with Salafism or a signal of being a Salafi Muslim. So people are fined if the imam reports them to the state. It's not the Muslim board that takes the action against them. They are punished by the state for using the word amen. And that's solely targeted at the Muslim community. Other communities don't have this. You can have more than one Orthodox community registered, more than one type of Baptist community registered, whatever. It's just Islam that this applies to. Now, the severe penalties are those related to prisons. You've already mentioned uh, Anatoly Zenichenko and his seven-year sentence handed down last year for um, putting up stuff on social media. This is a very common um, thing where the in this case it was the KNB uh, National Security Committee secret police they were going on what was called a fishing expedition through social media accounts and you know they find material they, they send it off to a state approved state appointed so-called expert who it appears to be the case that they choose the experts who will come back with the um, analysis that they want that will then be uh, used to convict them and sentences prison terms are very long but it's not just the actual prison term so zernichenko got seven years well that's a you know a lot of the sentences are that kind of length for for this but you immediately as soon as you're convicted you go onto the financial monitoring list so all your bank accounts if you have any they're immediately blocked so your family, I think you can take out very small amounts, but you know if you have no other income, but the family is deprived of access to that money while you're in prison. And when you come out, that remains for six or eight years, depending on the um, severity of the so-called crime that you've been convicted for. But you often also have a block on various activities. So there might be a five-year ban on social activity or attending places of public entertainment like cafes or casinos uh, but some of the bans are very specific and include bans on taking part in uh, the activity of religious communities for example and that can also be some of the political prisoners who were jailed not for their exercise of freedom of religion or belief but for uh, for other uh, freedom of expression or or whether they're involved in political uh, opposition to the government max bokaya for example he told me he's got a five-year ban on taking part in social or religious organizations. He's not religious himself. He sort of joked about it. He says, look, if I suddenly have a revelation and want to found my own religious community, I would not be able to do it. So these, so not only do you get, say, the seven-year sentence, you get seven years plus eight years afterwards where your, uh, finance, where your bank accounts are blocked, plus perhaps five years where you're having to report into the police regularly. You can't change your place of residence or travel to another city without permission. While you've got a block on your bank account, you can't drive because you can't get insurance because you can't pay for you know and you often lose your job people won't employ you they look on this list although it's supposedly a list to tell banks you should not allow people to hold active accounts it's used far more widely it's a public list and anyone who is thinking of employing someone they might look on this list and say, oh i see you're on this list for financing extremism we're not going to give you a job so very wide-ranging restrictions
Thank you. Um, you know, and let me follow up with something too, and and I'll and then I'll get to Nuri. I want his thoughts on this also. I, if I remember right, Kazakhstan, they were actually the first Central Asian country, if I, uh, I believe. But that you cannot be a cleric, a religious cleric, certainly a Muslim cleric, if you were educated at a madrasa outside the country. Is that they, true? Well, they do like to stop people having international links wherever possible especially in the area of religion which is why they've got very very wary about people going abroad for religious education people who have studied there or worked there and come back and uh, live in back in the country and uh, many of the people who have been jailed have been people who lived and worked as imams in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, or other countries. So that is, you know, something that they're really paranoid about. And, and Nuri, get to you follow up on that one also. Um, you know, the 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 mullah or the imam. Uh, you know, I mean, it, and it, it even figures from other religions too. They're they're kind of seen as a community mediator, arbiter. Uh, you know, they're, they're supposed to be involved and know the the situation with the the faithful uh, who they whom they preach to. Doesn't this? Do you get the sense that this is undercut and that that uh, the clergy is disconnected? Uh, we'll speak about specifically about Islam, but is the clergy disconnected from the from the worshippers? Absolutely. Um, you know that's one of the things that I um, I was uh, uh, directly and frankly uh, tried to have a conversation with the Kazakh officials. I used the example of uh, countries like ours, the United States. Um, I always say. You know, when you let people to practice their religion freely, and also when you leave a space for them to practice their own religion however they want, and they also uh, allow people to have a religious life is actually good for the society. And I, you know, this has been proven scientifically uh, through research that societies that uh, respect individual freedom, uh, religious freedom, uh, human rights, naturally will have, well, will have, help to have a more stable, prosperous, and, and, and peaceful society. Uh, in countries like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and others that we know, uh, that those 28 countries that we cover, there was something very common. They spend enormous amount of resources uh, on domestic security. Uh, they also put themselves under the international spotlight Get, uh, attract a lot of criticism. That could have been prevented. And, and thirdly, they also create a resentment against their own government uh, by those uh, persecuted uh, or vulnerable religious communities. Instead, if they let them enjoy their lives, um, as I have experienced with some groups uh, in Kazakhstan, that uh, the government will naturally will have all of the things uh, that they worry been taken care of. Um, case in point, the when I pressed, of course, I need to uh, to talk to the people who have been affected by it uh, in my trips in Kazakhstan and, and Uzbekistan last year. The one common uh, reaction is that that government is overreacting or uh, following the the method specific from China to take a preemptive method to. Uh, take care of those individuals who might have extremist ideology. So it's almost like, you know, the minority report that you need to attack a potential threat 
uh, or perceived uh, perceived threat, or thinking that people might be causing posing threat, and and it, it's it's better to take them out that before they become a bigger threat. So that's kind of their mentality. But at the, by doing that, they're overlooking the benefit that they will get from uh, uh, religious communities to create that very peaceful, harmonious society that they wanted to create. Can I just jump in here? You know, that, that's a very important point. But there's also a negative impact for security and harmony within the country. And that is when state officials, police officers, secret police, courts, and so on, prosecutors are investigating and prosecuting people for things that for exercising freedom of religion or belief in their human rights in general they're taking away the time from investigating people who might be causing a real danger and in the end the state has no idea who how dangerous the people are they have actually convicted they the state doesn't care it's easier to convict someone who's posted some text on their social media accounts and it is to investigate maybe more hidden more more dangerous people um you can get a quick result because you just read their social media you send it to an expert that you've appointed or the state has appointed you've got your judgment there and all the every, all the k and b officials and police and prosecutors get a gold star for having jailed someone well that does not help security the one one quick point i'm honored to add uh, to Felix's point is that in, uh, this is also something that has been uh, a, a verified, uh, again, uh, through research, that um, the nations trample on or fail to protect fundamental rights, including religious freedom, provide a fertile grounds for poverty and insecurity. They create, and we have seen this over and over again, they create a condition for war and terror, and violent radical movements uh, and activities. This is very common in Central Asia. These governments don't understand, uh, don't seem to appreciate that uh, their policies are actually creating or making people to be more radical. So uh, it, 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 is, it is, you know, this is something that I've been passionately advocate, advocating in my engagements with the specifically Central Asian governments because this also affects the communities outside of the country as well, uh, specifically uh, those Kazakhs in China, the Uyghurs in China. So um, this is it, it's important that the governments, uh, specifically the Shanghai Five governments, need to revisit uh, if they really wanted to have a secure, prosperous society as they wish, uh, at least to quantify what constitutes extremism. It's so broad. That needed to be narrowed, uh, as Felix said. You know, they need to focus on the actual trouble, not on perceived troubles. Okay, thank you. Uh, and this is a reminder that we're talking about the situation with religious freedom in Kazakhstan. And my guests are Felix Corley, editor at Forum 18, a religious freedom organization that has, for many years, been one of the leading sources of information on violations of religious freedoms in countries around the world, including Central Asia, and Nuri Turkel chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom and also a lawyer specializing in anti-corruption, anti-bribery enforcement, a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and author of the book, No Escape, The True Story of China's Genocide of the Uyghurs. Um, and, and on that note about the Uyghurs, uh, Nuri, could you, since you were just in Kazakhstan and, and uh, we know that about 
Beijing's brutal campaign targeting Muslims in Xinjiang in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. Kazakhstan borders Xinjiang, of course. Uh, and you were since you were just in Kazakhstan, what is the situation with the Uyghur communities and uh, and the ethnic Kazakh communities from Xinjiang in in Kazakhstan right at the moment? Is the government watching them real closely? The um there is some, you know, as I noted, uh, specifically for the Uyghur people uh, on the ground, uh, those Uyghurs who were born, raised, and living in Kazakhstan for years, their cultural, uh, their cultural aspect of life, their lives seem to be uh, in a good place. I complimented uh, the Kazakh government um, for establishing, from what I heard, 66 Uyghur language skills, schools and uh, allowing Uyghurs to practice Islam. But that's not enough. Uh, what, is, what is troubling is that the, um, the, the Kazakh and Uyghur community, uh, the Kazakhs specifically migrated from China, don't have a sense of statehood, a sense of security, because they always worry that something may go bad. Uh, they worry about the, um, the significant number of agreements that Xi Jinping and Tokayev signed uh, during the uh, Xi'an summit. Uh, same is true with the neighboring countries. And the specifics of those agreements were never been released to the public. It's very convoluted. and It sounds like mostly focused on trade and economics uh, investments. But that also comes with a big price. When the Chinese invests uh, in Central Asia, specifically in Kazakh, they ask for something in return. And uh, as the Japarov, the, the Kyrgyz uh, president, based on the agreement with the, 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 the few um, synopsis of the agreement that Kyrgyz and Kazakh gov- uh, Chinese government signed, there's a specific provision on the uh, pledge that the Kyrgyz government must make on the Uyghur issue. Uh, even though, uh, based on the public information, the Kazakh government's agreement with China did not uh, show anything specifically on the political issues relating to the Uyghurs, but it's a very uh, fluid uh, situation. Uh, the Chinese, as you recall, uh, Bruce, normalized Xi Jinping's uh, return to the global stage with the highest state honor in Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. Uh, this will really this goes on really uh, a stain in the Kazakh history and Uzbek history. Uh, since the international community, uh, uh, led by the United States, recognized the atrocities committed against the Uyghurs and Kazakhs in China as a genocide, Xi Jinping uh, did not really travel. And his first official travel out of COVID uh, and post genocide determination by eleven governments and parliaments around the world. That was the first uh, uh, international travel for him. And the Kazakhs and Uzbeks helped to normalize the modern-day genocide supported by technology. So that, that, that in of itself is quite troubling. And also that uh, raised a lot of concerns uh, in Washington uh, that uh, Kazakh government, and as well as the Uzbek government, often say publicly they wanted to have a, a closer relationship with the United States. But on a fundamental issue that the Kazakhs did not even do what they're supposed to do. They didn't join the liberal democracies in Geneva on the motion to debate former High Commissioner Michel Bachelet's report uh, that shows that uh, there's a, there's a, a crimes, against, crimes against humanity being committed against the Uyghur people. 
So the Kazakh government, uh, when you confronted them, they always tell you that they wanted to stay out of the Chinese interior uh, internal affairs. But they also ignore China is being heavily involved, interfering in Kazakhstan's internal affairs by pressuring the Kazakh government to treat their own citizens one way or the other. That, of insult, that, that to me is, is quite problematic. It's more than a naivete. And they also, Kazakh government often uh, cite that they're being sandwiched in a two major powers, uh, essentially two bullies. That also does not give you a compelling answer. Kazakhstan is a big country. It is understandable that they have some geopolitical concerns. But compared to the others, they are relatively prosperous when it comes to economic uh, uh, concerns, fine, uh, international um, relations. They have started this relationship with the West way back, even before uh, the Chinese and, 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 and the Russians uh, started to, to lead the country through initial Shanghai Five to what is it, it is today. So there are a lot of potential that Kazakhstan's that can... Um, that can use to improve its uh, international image. And I'm, I'm, I'm mindful that they're trying very hard. Uh, as you may recall, last September, they organized interfaith uh, conference in Astana, which is a really good thing. But interfaith community amount Abrahamic religion is just one piece. You also need to show the respect and tolerance to others who, who are not fully subscribed to Abrahamic religion. Uh, and this is also something relate, uh, relates to the traditional religion concept in, in, in Kazakhstan. So, you know, the, the, the Kazakh government can try to say or try to ignore the legitimate concerns by the Uyghur communities, the Uyghurs from both Kazakhstan and from China. Uh, in the case of the Uyghurs from inland China, the other side of the border, they face refoulement, you know, forced uh, 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 deportation back to China. Their own communities facing transnational repression with the concern that if they speak out against Chinese authorities, their family members will be retaliated against. I had a chance to sit down with the Kazakh citizens who originally from China. They're expressing the same concern. Being fair to them, being able to uh, showing willingness to support their own citizens uh, in the face of transnational repression is not something that Kazakh government should hesitate to take in action. The United States government has been pushing back against China's transnational repression. There are reports that there are 54 police stations established in Western Europe. There are also reports that the, in the cities like New York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco, uh, New York, San Francisco, and L.A., there are Chinese police stations. The federal uh, law enforcement indicted two groups of the Chinese individuals engaging in transnational repression. If any country, including Kazakhstan, has a respect for their own sovereignty, if feel compelled to protect their own citizens, bare minimum, the Kazakh government should, should push back against transnational repression against their own people. Okay, thank you. And, you know, Felix, let me ask you, I, I mentioned uh, um, that Forum 18 has been monitoring the situation in Central Asia, including Kazakhstan, for a very long time. Do you notice, uh, have you noticed, uh, that as China has increased its its campaign against Muslims in Xinjiang, 
the the situation it's carried over into Kazakhstan. We know the government has a lot of connections. Kazakh government has a lot of connections to the Chinese government. Has the situation noticeably gotten worse for some Muslim groups since China started in uh, Muslim groups in Kazakhstan since China started its campaign in Xinjiang? I don't think so. I think the Kazakh government was intent on controlling all exercise of freedom for religion or belief by Muslims and by anyone else. And the jailing of, of Muslims in particular, earlier there were some Jehovah's Witnesses and Protestants who were jailed, but in recent years it's been Muslims who are at the sharp end of this entirely. They were doing this anyway. The There has been an upsurge in fines this year, administrative fines under Article 490 for all manner of uh, violations of the religion law. And um, we've probably seen about 100 such cases so far this year. And if we look at last year, 2022 as a, as a whole, there were 143 such cases that we knew about. So if we've had 100 already this year, this, this is quite an upsurge. Um, one particular group among them that could, you know, links back to the uh, previous discussion on the Uyghurs is the punishment of ethnic Dungans right down in the south. There actually, uh, there's one region, uh, Kordai district, which is on the border with Kyrgyzstan, where there's a large uh, ethnic Dungan population. And this year has seen the 14th Dungan Muslim who's been fined about two months average wage for illegal teaching of religion to children. They teach the Quran, teach them to, to read Arabic. And so 14 of them in the space of since 2018 that we know about, you know, so that's about half the fines for illegal religious teaching in the whole of Kazakhstan come down to one district of the country, which has about maybe 1% of the population. So is this targeting the Dungans? The police chief told me there was no ethnic factor in this, but, you know, for the local people, you know, clearly they're going to see this as ethnic Kazakhs stopping them from maintaining and passing on their faith as they see fit. So that that is that under the influence of the Chinese government because the Dungans are people of of Chinese origin, you know, from uh, from China who migrated decades or even the last century. Um, you know, these are long term residents of uh, Central Asia. Is this under the influence of China? We don't know. China also has a go at Falun Gong people anywhere in the world, and um, you know they don't like it when there are Falun Gong groups. They want governments in other countries to ban their activity, but that's not particularly widespread in Central Asia. There are a few in Kyrgyzstan and so on, but um, and in Russia as well. But you know, and the, the governments are perfectly happy to. Um, to ban such outfits, you know, to appease the Chinese because they don't really care either way. But this upsurge in in fines for exercise, administrative fines for exercising freedom of religion or belief is quite disturbing. Many of the people are fined um, for posting religious materials on social media, trying to import religious books. You're allowed to import only one copy of any one book for your own personal use everything else requires permission you need to get 
you know, permission, got to make sure the book hasn't been banned. If they, if officials have never seen the book before, they need to give a positive expert analysis of it. There's people who are banned for selling one copy of a religious book online. There's a, a website, olx.kz, which is a sort of online sales site, rather like eBay. People are fined, you know, one month's wage, for average wage, for just selling a Bible or a Quran or even an icon or, you know, any kind of religious attribute, any item. So, you know, there's fines for having unregistered prayer rooms. So if you run a shopping center, for example, and the workers there want to have a room where they um, have Friday prayers or other pray the namaz together or individually, then the, the company will be fined or the person that the police deem to be in charge of that room, they will be fined. Okay, thank you. Um, we're running short on time, and I want to give each of you a chance to make a last comment. Uh, but kind of keeping in mind, um, if there was one simple thing uh, that the Kazakh authorities could do to, to start the process of respecting religious freedom, what would, what would you recommend? Something they could do real quickly. But feel free to comment about anything you think I've left out. Felix, I'll start with you. Oh, well, the, the, the whole range, I mean, without democracy and without human rights in general, you're not going to have freedom of religion or belief. But one simple thing would be to say that religious activity does not need state registration uh, to be legal, that you can conduct religious activity, meet for worship, buy, produce, share religious materials, provided they do not call for the violation of other people's human rights or call for violence, provided they're perfectly okay from that perspective, then why shouldn't you be able to distribute them without uh, any state controls? Why shouldn't you be allowed to uh, have a, a, a meeting room where you meet and pray the namaz or any other prayers without having state permission? That's really the 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 crux of where the controls start. Okay, thank you. Uh, Nuri, same thing. I, I, I would like to see uh, something as simple as adding uh, violent extremism to this broad brush uh, criminalization of uh, people showing signs of extremism, quote unquote. Uh, that is something can be done quite quickly. Uh, it actually reduces the amount of work that their law enforcement need to undertake. Uh, the other thing that I would love to see uh, Kazakhstan do and could do is to um, revise this concept of traditional religion. So the Kazakhstan is based on what we know is a multinational, uh, 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 multi-ethnic uh, country with a diverse religious background. Uh, what is true for Sunni Islam, Islam uh, Muslim people are true for Ahmadiyya. Uh, what is true for Orthodox uh, Christians is true for others, uh, including the Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, the Mormons, and Scientologists, and whatever uh, the 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 uh, the people's desire. However, the people desire to practice religion should not be subject to uh, this. Uh, problematic concept uh, that is, has been enforced to additional religion. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Nuri Turkel, Chair of the U.S. Com Commission on International Religious Freedom, and thank you, Felix Corley, from the Religious Freedom Organization Forum 18. Uh, and a big thank you to Nathan Shoemaker, our 
Pitt Midgley's podcast producer in Washington, D.C. And a reminder, you can subscribe to the Midgley's podcast or the Central Asia and Focus newsletter by visiting Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty's website at rfrl.org. Thank you, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.